Hot round. Red seven. Red seven. Red seven. Don. What? Red seven. I don't know what red seven means. Hot round. I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob. This is it. The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is going to work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you going to get me the oh, ball? Oh, get you the ball! Get me the ball! I hope he didn't kill somebody. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, we have an SEC football schedule. I'm Nick Roush, here with Adam Luckett, the two hosts of the 11 Personnel Podcast. And tonight, we're going to talk football. None of this will they or won't they play. It's all football. It's a Kentucky football schedule. And we're here to break it down all on KSR's Kentucky football schedule show. Luckett. I don't know about you, but I could hardly contain my excitement during that 30-minute SEC Network program. That was pretty fun, wasn't it? It, Like normal times there for a little bit. And you know what? It felt like Selection Sunday. It's it's something Mm -hmm. we're used to with college basketball, but we never get with college football. It's it's just seeing them pull out a 10-game season, to me in my head, I'm just like, this is kind of awesome. Like, how cool would this be? Like, this is what we did every year. We played maybe one or two non-conference games, and then this was – I mean, I know Reese Davis talked about it. Now, there's no, a lot of – there's probably a lot of cons to doing doing it this way, but you just seeing how that schedule breaks out and just how fun this season could be, um, seeing how it breaks out. And for Kentucky's standpoint, I don't think you could ask for all that much better. I mean, Bama and Florida back-to-back are tough, but you get Bama in the absolute – perfect spot you yes. couldn't ask for a better spot to make that road trip you get a bye week before the bye week you play a mizzou team you're better than mm-hmm. and then you're going to be playing a vandy team that's going to be like a 17 point dog in every sec game they play this yeah, year they're going to be bad so you essentially get you got two weeks there you should handle your business at vandy you, have, you know to get healthy and all that and go play bama in a in a sandwich spot because the lsu game is everything to them because that usually one or that goes on to uh, play in the pl- playoff or whatnot. And then Auburn's right, right after it, I believe. So yeah, I don't yeah. think, I don't, I mean, it sucks that you get Florida in November finally, but you get them the week after a road trip to Tuscaloosa, mm-hmm. but to get, to get the schedule as is, I think really um, shakes out. Well, don't love Auburn uh, that much week one. But everything else, I think – I like that you get the two Mississippi schools early. Mm-hmm. Um, sandwiched around those games at the end, you get Vandy and South Carolina at home. I just think it, it shakes out pretty well for them. Yeah, and I'm sure most people have seen it by now, but uh, you are start, starting with Auburn, followed by the Mississippi schools, Ole Miss, Mississippi State at home, uh, a trip to Neyland Stadium where you could be 3-1. and one. Georgia, That's the swing game to me. I mean, we, every year it seems like I say that or we say that, <laughs> but this even in this year, because I th- I thought looking at the schedule beforehand, it was always the Auburn game. You win that Auburn game, you're you're pretty much set. But now with Auburn game at the beginning, it's just that Tennessee road trip. You win that one, and you're you're in a really good spot right then. But if you lose it, you could be, you know, weathering a storm, fighting uphill. It, it, I mean, that's a huge game for Kentucky. When they yeah, and up. and the one thing that. Uh... You know, we don't have to make predictions tonight. But the one thing about that Tennessee game, something about Neyland Stadium, just uh, – it, it, I don't know if it's just the smell there or if it's just all of the women chewing tobacco, as Ryan Lemon would like to say. But something about Neyland Stadium just doesn't work for Kentucky. And now you're getting to Neyland Stadium where you don't got all those yahoos packed on top of one another. You don't have the Vol Navy sitting outside. Hell, the Vol Navy might be the only way that people can get near the stadium, actually. So – it's not going to have that same kind of juju uh, as always. And well, you're also playing them early in the year too. Yeah, yeah. Where it's going to be pretty nice after. weather. I mean, October, middle of October in Knoxville, uh, it's not the same as you know middle of November when you, UK sure. usually plays them. So just, yep. just different type of just 
I liked how they did that. Made Tennessee early, Florida, South Carolina late. Kentucky always plays Florida and South Carolina early. Now in this, this it's, schedule, it's you get the same late. Yeah. It's, right. And that's that's what makes this so nice. Like like you said, it's something different. Uh, so you know what? Let's have the most fun we can with it. Uh, you saw them do that by putting LSU Alabama on Masters. That's the Masters weekend, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's the CBS doubleheader. You knew oh, they were man. taking that, man. <laughs> that's going to be all. You well, knew they were taking that. They'll, they'll have to do noon kick, right? On CBS? No, they'll do the 8 p.m. They'll do Masters from oh. 3 to 6 or 7. And then you get LSU at night? Yeah. Oh! All right, that's going to be fun. That is, that yeah. is going to be yeah. a lot of that's fun. Gonna be, I, I, that's going to be an all-time day. I, we need to see how the schedules break out, but that could be so much fun, I especially mean, if we're, all of us are sitting our butts at home on the couch. If I'm going to make a gripe, though, like it about this, it is that you finally do get Florida in November. And, of course, the game's not going to be in Lexington. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's the one time you can freeze them out. And the only, Yeah, I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to get Georgia, Florida, or Alabama, like, at home late November when it was really cold. And they, they, mm. they didn't get that, which no, no. I don't love. But, you know, you'll take what you can get. And what they got, I think, was – well, about as good as you can ask for. And I think this is has to be our overall takeaway from all of this, is that going into today, this was all, all – all of the uncertainty around the schedule was about how is it going to be paced? Is there going to – are they going to throw a gauntlet at them? And it's almost like the, the early years of the Stoops era where a bunch of winnable games early on, but you had to win them because you, you were asking for a bunch of L's at the end. There's a lot of pace to this schedule. Uh, where I, I like that, like I said, we're going to do things weird this year. So they finally – they have a the first time ever an SEC football selection show. They've done something like this in previous years, but it doesn't have the same pop in February as it does now when we're bearing yeah. down on it. Well, um, we're, all, we're pretty damn thirsty right now. Yeah. So getting anything. But they go – they yeah. went week by week. And at the beginning, we already knew Auburn was there. And when they said the Mississippi schools back-to-back, I'm like, Oh man, that's that's too easy. Like there's there's going to be some wrench thrown into the system down the road, and we're seeing that with Florida and Alabama back to back. But like you mentioned earlier, it's a trap game for Alabama. I, you can't. There's never been. I mean, this is by definition a trap game with LSU before and Auburn after. Two biggest games on the calendar and year: this, Kentucky sandwich in between. For Alabama, this is always that's the spot they play. You know, popsicle state, <laughs> but they're playing Kentucky this year. So, I, and that's always a game where they're you know sleepwalking through. And you go back and watch um, some of Saban's games in the past. That's usually where his rants come from, or from that game, or sometime around there. And you know, it's it's Alabama. You know, they're still going to have an advantage of Kentucky <laughs> at every spot. But you know, it, it gets, it's a part, it's a part in the schedule where you're like, okay, like that, that's a good time to go take a swing at them when they're a little um you know beat up a little bit right right the the one thing too about that florida game after alabama is florida they get kind of the uk treatment going to the alabama game where as of course is tradition they're getting a bye week before the cocktail party Mm -hmm. but they followed up with arkansas and vandy to get them a little bit of rest before the kentucky game that stinks uh you know yeah they i mean they uh they handed dan mullen a little bit of a gift here just looking at this schedule, there's yeah. nothing too, too tough about it. They get LSU at home. They avoid Alabama. They get Georgia after a bye. I mean, obviously, that's a big game. Right, right. Um, in, in the year against they're Tennessee. Gonna be, you know, I mean, but they're going to be favorites in, I would say, just about every game. You know, you win at A&M. Um, they're going to be in pretty they're early in the season. But I, I think to, to go back to my point about pacing, though, Luckett, you mentioned that Tennessee game earlier. You go three and one in that stretch, you're at, and then you play Georgia at home. Anything can happen. There's a very real scenario. You're five and one going into the bye week. Uh, just just pull off yeah, one of those I mean, upsets. Which, well, which, you know, I and, think that you can make it happen. The goal should be four and two. Split Tennessee Auburn. Take care of the Mississippi schools in Missouri. And you know Georgia is what it is. You're going to be a you know, a big dog, dog against them. Yeah. But you get to you get to four and two, and then I think you pretty much you know if you take care of Vanderbilt and South Carolina, you're elite. That's six. That's a winning season and with a ten game schedule. That's a good year. 
no well, matter what you anybody else wants to sit, tell you, six and four in this in this vacuum we're in, it's going to be a good season for Kentucky. Six and four is top twenty, top fifteen in the country. Yeah, you go six no, and four against the SEC. You're exactly right. And the thing that I like to look at is that the way you can really build some early season momentum that lets you dream big. And that was what was huge about that 2018 season is that we had that week against Georgia where you can dream big and you can dream big. If you pull off a big upset early in the season, because you control your own destiny at the end of the year. And if you're telling me that Kentucky's going into Alabama with only one loss, Mark Stoops is going to treat this like a three game playoff. All right, guys, you want to go to Atlanta? Mm -hmm. Three games. Control your own destiny. Win and you're in. And you know what? People might say it's crazy, but this year has been crazy as hell, okay? Crazier things have happened in 2020, and winning the SEC should not be out of the question for the Kentucky Wildcats. And it's just funny, man. (laughs) We talk about Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach all the time on this podcast. Oh, big! And big we get them back fans. to back to begin the season. Oh man! Uh, and if you're coming off of uh, a win at Auburn, too, the amount of kind of snarky trash talk you can throw their way, uh, I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun. And also with the, getting the Egg Bowl games early, there's there's nothing quite like getting first year head coaches right off the jump because it that, it's going to take a while from the work, especially in Mississippi State. Like, there's no way that experiment with Colin Hill and the physical bruising rushing attack that they're going to be able to figure that out. They might be able to with Arkansas in week two to kind of get their feet underneath them, but they're going to get their doors ripped off them in that first week against LSU. They're a perfect example, though, of totally new system, both sides of the ball. I mean, they're they're kind of night and day on each side of the ball, what they're doing, and no spring practice. Um, a different type of fall camp and you know and then you get thrown to the wool you know you're getting thrown to the wolves regardless in the schedule mm-hmm. it just it makes it you know even tougher I think for them and they, that's going to be a team to follow um, this year because there you can see some spots in this Mississippi State schedule where they could get some people um, but there's a lot of landmines on there you know you go to Bama you go to Georgia you go to LSU <laughs> in separate yeah. like all in a different month so it's not like you can you know bust them out right quick they space these out for leech um I, good luck brother well and to uh to to focus on that week one for just a moment because we in, in sec fashion they tease us just enough to get us through fine bomb um because i mean uh, no. lord knows people like me would have just been losing their damn minds trying to wait till seven o'clock uh but they they gave us the week one schedule before they gave us everything else right at 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. And Kentucky, like you said, they're they're starting the season with a road trip to the Plains against Auburn. And the week one lines uh, were out. And uh, th- this was just from uh, a guy over at the Action Network who uh, creates spreads for him. And first off, I, when you look at the games just relatively, Kentucky-Auburn is probably going to be the most competitive one Right up there with South Carolina, Tennessee. Yeah, it's just the media. They're just all goo-goo for Kiffin. So, Florida at Ole Miss, everybody's – that's what they're going to talk about. I mean, I, so here here, here are the three closest spreads according to Action Network. South Carolina and Tennessee, a pick them. That game right there, if Muschamp don't win that one, you look at their schedule. Two and eight. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it gets bad quick. Now, if he wins that, then – they could kind of get some momentum there, but if they lose that one, well, it could go. And it's at Tennessee. It's at Neyland Stadium. And well, I no, know. they get that. They get South Carolina. South Carolina gets them at home. Oh, it says versus ten. Well, action's wrong. Then you suck, action. Uh, but that's a pick'em game. Um, I would still probably take Tennessee in that instance, just because I don't trust. Oh well, hell, I don't trust either of their quarterbacks. But Florida only an eight-point favorite over Ole Miss. That makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. I don't, I don't know where they, they're getting these numbers from because they had another. They released another thing that said Ole Miss at UK would be a pick 'em at home, and just using preseason SP plus, which usually ends up being like at least two points within the number mm-hmm. um, when you bake in the two and a half points at home. I had Kentucky as like a five and a half home point favorite over Ole Miss. So, in Florida would be somewhere – should be around two touchdowns. I'm not sure 
Yeah. If they're just if, they, if Lane's from. getting a big bump, or if I'm missing something here, but yeah, I was I was surprised to see that. And Ole Miss has lost. They've lost two impact players this week. Their starting center and their best pass rusher. Uh, one for opt out, the other for um, an arrest. So I don't, I'm not know, I don't know, I don't know if I'm seeing what I'm, what I'm missing there. I don't know if the action network's got some, you know, insider information. <laughs> they're not sharing us. Well, Auburn and UK, they're next up. Auburn minus eleven versus Kentucky. And mm-hmm. I, when we had SEC Mike on, uh, I don't know, this was a couple months back, but there was a, an early spread for that game that was at seventeen. So at least the numbers come down some to where it's respectable. Uh, I would expect it about nine and a half. Yeah, uh, 11 matches up with the metrics if you go by that. Okay, yeah, I could see that getting bet down to nine and a half because I, I don't know how much they're going to bake in that two and a half points uh, for home field advantage this year. It just doesn't feel nearly right. as re- yeah, relevant. how are they going to do that? Mm-hmm. Maybe they only give you one and a half just because you're in familiar settings. You know, you're not traveling with all the COVID stuff. Um, but th- that game, like it, I don't know how much – I, I obviously we're biased. We're we're big Kentucky fans, but that feels like the potential for the CBS game to open up SEC football season. It really does. Now you would think so. BTI made one good point. Uh, I know BTI sucks. It's a that's a very long-standing tradition here at Kentucky Sports Radio. However, playing the the way this week one goes, you could see them selling Mike Leach before everybody realizes they stink, and then you get the defending yep. national champs in week one. So the I could see them giving yeah. them the champs, mm-hmm. the you know the ring ceremony. Even though they, I think they've already gotten their rings, I could see them doing the kind of national championship homecoming type deal. Mike Leach back in the SEC, I could see that happening. But aside from that, it feels like Kentucky and Auburn will be if not the best game in the uh, – it's going to be one of the uh, premier games in the country that weekend. Give, give them the, the night slot. Let's just play it at night. Just do the uh, yeah. Todd Blackledge and Sean McDonough. Yeah, let's do it at uh, night. I, or give us the SEC Network special again. Kentucky oh, Kentucky man. slot. I, I, I want either it. Blackledge – I, I just – I like Todd Blackledge. And Got I would it. either take that or or Kirk Herbstreit primetime on ABC. I'm good with that too. That's another – Interesting thing is, does the SEC get into that ABC slot this year because of everybody else is backing out? I don't know how that they're going to work the TVs out. I was hoping they would give us TV times today, but oh yeah, luck. yeah that's a crap. We should yeah. get those in a couple weeks. I would think though, they're not going to. They can't get, dilly dally too long. Yeah, the season's a month away. <laughs> um, but but that I Auburn did- game, it's just very very interesting. The reason I think you might want to give Auburn a little bit of an edge is because they're used to playing these big games to start the season. Oregon last year, yeah, Washington was, the year before, which was on earlier today before Feinbach. Right, yeah, it yeah. was. <laughs> and so they're used to you know coming out from camp with a big opponent, whereas Kentucky, you, you know, you have for all intents and purposes an exhibition game to get yeah. started. From just to put it bluntly. <laughs> so it's kind of different. Like, can Kentucky, how will they be just ready to go from the jump? Auburn, every game they play, all those games are sloppy. I mean, they're sloppy as hell. And then you throw in Auburn. They got a new offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. But Gus Malzahn micromanages the you-know-what out of that offense. So how, how does that whole situation work? And both quarterbacks, I think, Auburn and Kentucky people, both have high confidence in Terry Wilson and Bo Nix where other people around college football all see it as I don't, I'm not so sure about Terry Wilson and Bo Nix. Like right, they're not right. believing in them. So it's, it's interesting there. But then when you look at Auburn more closely, they're totally retooling on both lines. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Whereas Kentucky is not. And so just, if that, if that becomes, you know, a rock em, sock em, field position football game, grinding out yards, Kentucky's going to have the advantage there because of what they have on the line of scrimmage. And if you look at Gus Malzahn, too, and I know that the situation was a little bit different in that Oregon game last year. They had to let it rip. But in those tight games, he's not afraid to just keep the ball on the ground. Uh, so I, I could – he'll do a bunch of different misdirection well, kind of stuff. He has been because the last couple of years he's had a top-10 defense. Now that Auburn's losing all that talent on the D-line mm-hmm. – What's their defense look like? They've got a dude, um, big cat linebacker. Um, they got big cat. Watching big cat go against Darian Kennard is going to be fun. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, KJ Britt is a good linebacker, um, yeah. one of the best, SEC's best linebackers. But they're, led, they're retooling in a, they're retooling in a lot of spots. Like they've lost, I think, three starters in the secondary. You know, the defensive line they lost Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson, mm-hmm. all those guys, a few other guys. So they're retooling a lot. Whereas Kentucky is not. Kentucky well, knows their if role. You, if you believe in Phil Steele's uh, experience chart, which I do. Uh, Kentucky is third in the SEC, 39th overall in returning experience with 15 to 22 guys back, including the quarterback. Quarterback's big deal for Phil. And really the only reason why Auburn isn't at the second, you know, they're 10th in the SEC. They would be 12th or 13th if not for Bo Nix coming back because, like you said, everybody's they're, – they're 100th overall. They completely are rebuilding in the trenches. So – experience is in Kentucky's favor in this situation, even though Auburn does have the experience of playing in games of similar situation. And when all these people do their coaching rankings, Mark Stoops and Malzahn are like, you know, you're probably choosing one or the other. I mean, they're probably pretty close. They're the two longest tenured behind Saban in the SEC right now. Mm -hmm. They're tied for second. Mm -hmm. I think they're hired the same season. Yes, that's correct. And like, you know, are you taking – I mean, we're taking Stoops over Malzahn. I don't think that's – I don't think – I think Auburn fans would agree too. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think that's crazy. <laughs> right, you know? right. And that's a that'd be a big game for Mark Stoops too. You win that one, a primetime well, road game against a big name. I mean, man. That, that's I mean, another feather in his cap. With a lot – and like you said, a lot of eyeballs are going to be in Kentucky in that opening week. You can really set the tone early on and get people excited. And that's – I mean, going back just to the big picture of the schedule, that's what makes this exciting is because a lot of very winnable games early. You don't face one of those uh, big dogs, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, in the, in the opening part of the season. So uh, you can dream big. You can dream big in 2020. Now, we're not going to let COVID fears scare us away from getting excited about this season coming up. Now's not the time is- to talk about it. Now it's not, not – we're not doing that right now. Yeah, we're not yeah. talking about COVID right now. This yeah, is you- all about – we're talking about football right now. There's plenty other time to talk about COVID. We can talk mm-hmm. about North Carolina and what's happening there and whatnot. Yeah. But now we're, That's we're like- talking ball right now. Yeah. Uh, Pet Forty's got a column on more COVID stuff, believe it or not. <laughs> and speaking yeah. of big dogs early – your guy, man, Eli Drinkowitz. Ooh. They just stuffed him in a locker, buddy. <laughs> well, you know what? It wouldn't be the first time, all right? <laughs> Alabama at Tennessee at LSU. And then, okay, you get Vandy at home, then you can go to Florida. Oh, God. Get Kentucky at home, idle. Get Georgia at home. And then they got My three goodness. three games at the end. They can maybe do something. If Dude, and you send me this nerd, okay? <laughs> I'm all for – like. This Eli Drinkwitz today. So training camps have opened up across the SEC today. Now UK they kind of delayed all of their preseason talking heads. We're going to speak with Mark Stoops Tuesday morning uh, when they really get going. But they they let cameras in and Drinkwitz is running through drills. You see coaches do stuff like that, but never as dorky as the way Drinkwitz was doing. He had his bucket hat on, which I'm all for team bucket hat. If you're a coach out in the the August, you got to have the bucket hat on. But, like, he wasn't even doing the drills right. Like, he was running through bags, like, skipping through them, like the the peewee kid who's never run through bags before. You're the head coach. you got to set an example. Do it 110% or don't do it at all, damn it. Get the hell out of here, Drinkwitz. Freaking in uh, Vanderbilt, man, uh, we need to get ready for them to go 0-10 because that's well, happening. That's happening. And also, I, I hadn't kept up Unless too much with Unless they can sneak it. up on Muschamp week three. I saw where Derek Mason had said that they already had, like, a handful of guys opt out. Are they are they even going to have enough yeah. guys to play? Well, their best defensive player, Demetri Moore, is out, linebacker. I mean, they're just – And they, they don't have a quarterback and – they don't have any skill talent, really. Not none that I that you're scared of, at least right now. And then on the lines, they're line should be all right, but offensive line, they're um, bottom of the league. So we, a couple of, of other kind of trap game scenarios, and this is why we were so anxious to get a full schedule and not just opponents, because games look a little bit differently, right? When you Absolutely. see who the other teams playing before, we mentioned Tennessee, how that can be a Sweden game. You know what Tennessee has the week four Kentucky comes to town? They travel to Athens to play mm-hmm. Georgia. And for Georgia, 
Kentucky's got a warm up against them uh, with Tennessee, but the week before Kentucky plays Georgia, the Bulldogs are playing Alabama. So, really, the only team that uh, sands Florida, they all have difficult opponents uh, going into the Kentucky game. So that can that can dramatically change the outlook of that game. Where uh, you know, if there's an injury or if there's a bad blowout, or you know, we see a situation like Tennessee last year, Tennessee. There were some good vibes surrounding them despite their crappy start until uh, old dummy Garantano did the, the the ball over the goal line and fumbled that all away. Things can the wheels can shake and pop off just like that, and and that's why I think, I mean, you really couldn't have asked for a better SEC football schedule than than what the cats just got. Okay, the lights went out. My lights just went out. But everything blackout at the rest house. Oh no, I'm hoping that my power didn't go out. Oh man, it may have, and we might have to start this thing over with. That would be bad. Um, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe I just lost a light bulb. Like, you can keep talking about something, okay? As Roush goes away here, there we go, we got light now. So, really, I think when you look at Kentucky's schedule. I think it's really important um, – that Georgia game, I think, is really important. Like, Kentucky needs to prove that they can play with Georgia. You get them right after that a big Tennessee game. But last year you saw it in small doses. But I think it's still important for Kentucky. You get Georgia at home, even in not the best circumstances, to still be able to play with them, um, especially with what they got going on. JT Daniels uh, has not been cleared yet from an ACL. Jamie Newman's got a hurt foot. He's limping around um, down there, according to Kirby Smart yesterday. I think it's going to be – I think it's really important for the program to show progress in that matchup. You can't keep getting drilled by that team. you gotta, no. you got to put up some better fights um, when you play against them. And let's face it, if you want to win the East, you probably got to win that game. Yeah. Now, right. it, this, year's, this year's a little different because, you know, Georgia's got to – they draw Alabama in addition to Auburn. Um, but but still, you gotta you gotta find a way to beat them eventually if you want to, you know, have a special season. I think. Yeah, and there's you you go piggybacking off that. Uh, there's there was some late breaking news right as we were waiting uh, for the SEC schedule to come out, uh, and luckily it was just my light bulb going out. It wasn't my internet. I was very concerned there for a moment. Uh, <laughs> but Georgia transfer Cade Mays. He was one of the last big names who still not had his name uh, cleared yet, uh, transferring to Tennessee. Uh, now, his all of his background information, it's the most intriguing transfer story ever because – It's the most SEC transfer. Oh, it's the most SEC transfer because his brother commits to go to Tennessee. Well, he started at the beginning of his recruitment. He started getting – he's committed to Tennessee for a long time. Born and raised in Knoxville, been going to Tennessee games his whole life. His dad played there. Dad played there, everything. Kirby comes in. Kirby gets hot. Butch Jones, last year Butch Jones happens during Kay Mays' senior season. Mm-hmm. And they, they're they able to flip him. Sam Pittman's able to flip him to Georgia. He goes to Georgia, um, plays a lot, but, you know, they're just stacked on the offensive line with talent. Um, goes there and then, you know, Three years ago, and he decides, you know, my brother's at Tennessee. Sam Pittman's gone. This Georgia thing probably wasn't as, yeah, wasn't as good as he thought it might be. He's like, I just want to let's go home, play one more year, and then go to the NFL. And then we learn, we come to learn that on his visit to Georgia, oh, uh, his dad, his dad <laughs> lost the what? pinky. Lost a pinky, yes. It got wedged in some sort of chair or something. And that story did not come to light until we discovered that day that he was entering his name into the transfer portal. And and by entering his name in the portal, that was part of their kind of uh, – his dad suing the University of Georgia. And I guess that was supposed to help his case. Maybe it made Georgia less cooperative. But nevertheless, the NCAA, for one of the first times this entire offseason, did not get out the approval stamp and clear Mays to play right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now, instead of having the best tandem of guards in the SEC with Mays and, and Trey Smith in there, uh, they're they're out of them now. As a as a as a couple of guys waiting here on Joey Gatewood, 
you get a little bit concerned that, oh, man, well, this is an intra-conference transfer. Maybe the uh, unwillingness for the other school to cooperate is just enough to, to slow this thing down to a snail's pace and prevent him from getting approved. But he's also not a quarterback. And if there's one thing we learned, like it, it's that quarterbacks yeah. are – They get preferential treatment more ways than one. Exactly. So hopefully the quarterback rule ends up paying out. But that that was the first time like it throughout this like I'm now actually like, oh, I wonder if this Gatewood case is in fact a slam dunk. Yeah, there there was another one. Uh Raheem Blackshear is a running back from Rutgers, transferred to Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech thought it was a slam dunk and he got denied. So we're starting to see a couple leak out here late. So that that does worry you that mm-hmm. If you were going to get cleared, it probably have it probably should have happened already. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't know. I mean, let the wheel spin. <laughs> See where it lands. That's a that's a very good point. Like, and it. then no. just from a, a go on the national storyline standpoint, what everybody's talking about is like like Joey Gaywood's going to start at quarterback for Kentucky. <laughs> Joey Gaywood returns to Auburn week one if he's cleared. I'm like. Hello. <laughs> Hello. We've been like it doesn't take long to realize that Terry Wilson is is the guy. Is the guy. Like right, uh, right. Like if Gaywood comes, he, he might get a few snaps as a wildcat quarterback. But yeah, and it would, not, it would be nice not, insurance. Uh, revenge. <laughs> revenge uh, a, oh, but it, hey, it'd be a hell of a storyline if you're trying to pitch oh, the CBS though. Uh, yeah. to get that that opening week game. Well, I mean just uh It'll have eyeballs on it that game, even either if he's playing, and then they'll be like, "Oh, he's not the quarterback." <laughs> All right, like it. Uh, I, we've got a lot more to discuss. We've been thirty minutes on this schedule, and I, I wanted to kind of give you the opportunity to give out any any more scheduling takes that we haven't touched on. We've touched on a lot uh, in this thirty minutes, um, but I I didn't know if you had anything else on the table before we moved on to training camp. No, I don't think so. I think LSU. I really like their schedule um, when you see how it breaks down, especially when they're a team that's retooling a lot and you open with Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, Mizzou. Yeah, yeah. And then you play Florida and then South Carolina. There's no um, back-to-back tough opponents for them. Yeah, I think it, I think it works out really well um, for them. And so that, that was really the big takeaway. I think – like I think when I go through my schedules, I will not be surprised if I have um, LSU when we're coming out of the West. I would also like to add that nothing would make me no- – it, it, it would remind me of the 2012 uh, Final Four game where just the entire week leading into the game, you're like, you can't – you cannot lose to Louisville in the Final Four with Anthony Davis. For the love of God, this cannot happen. We cannot lose this game. I would have that same feeling if Kentucky only has two losses or three losses going into that South Carolina at the end of the season. Now – uh, if I know anything about Muschamp teams, he's going to scream their way out of contention to where nobody cares anymore at that point, and that's your hope. But there's also something about that game that could have a sort of Houston versus Louisville vibe to it, where it kind of you you could see kind of the guard being let down, if not for the fact that like Stoops just absolutely loathes Muschamp with the fire of a thousand suns, and well. I think his I think, anger would keep him motivated enough to play well. But you just worry about the wear and tear from Alabama and Florida back-to-back going into that. Finale. I think those games that you're talking about, like teams that are traditionally middle of the road in the conference, like when A&M goes to Ole Miss, like I think these games are even bigger now because there's no, there's no baked-in wins to the schedule. Like you don't want to be the team that goes 2-8, and 1-9. You know, you want to get right. let's get to four and six. If you can get to five and five, really good year. I think those games, even I think they become in a way. I think they become even more important from a just kind of um, in recruiting and just uh, confidence of your team and all in the stature of your program and all that. I think those games are gonna be even more like nationally. It won't get much attention, uh, but I think they're, they're. I think those games are gonna be meaningful. Well, and it, it, it kind of reminds me of the Ole Miss game from 2017 where, right. like – Ole Miss yeah. needed that win to go – or to get to 6-6 six and six and to save Matt Luke's job. If they don't win that game, Matt Luke is never there for uh, Elijah Moore's P. Jester. Oh, man. Because they Kentucky win that game that. and they, that allows him to get to the Egg Bowl and then he wins the Egg Bowl. 
he doesn't win that game, who's, who's to know if he, you know, they may have already made the decision and started a coaching search. Right, right. That. And on the other hand, Kentucky, like that was a – that looked like a baked-in win, uh, to use the phrase you've used quite often. And they did everything right except DK Metcalf just went and was DK Metcalf. So, uh, I know I alluded and, to it before, but just getting some revenge in that game will – Man, that loss and poor, poor Jimbo, man. Like, he had the schedule this year set and ready to go. And now you got to go to Bama week two. And then, oh, uh, Florida at home week after that. And then late, you know, you go back-to-back LSU-Auburn to end the season. Man, that's so. tough. Yeah. They had it set up this year. Well, uh, man, it's, it's going to be fun. And I'm sure there will be more things that kind of uh, pop up as we kind of – continue to discuss this over the weeks to come. Uh, but it, it's just, it's good to talk football and we're going to be talking more football tomorrow. Mark Stoops. I, I haven't gotten an official word from UK, uh, but they were uh, tentatively planning a, uh, a training camp press conference tomorrow to get the ball rolling with preseason camp, actual practices happening at the Joe craft football training facility. And, Look at I know that a lot of people right now their storylines that you've got to watch during training camp, which like they, they've all been stories that we've kind of talked about ad nauseum up to this point. And I think when we hear from the the, the guys tomorrow, the overarching theme is just going to be thank God we're we're back to practicing football. Right. <laughs> I, I I don't think there's really any other way they're going to cut it, especially with some no nonsense guy like Stoops. Grand's going to did you see uh, this. Did you see AJ Rose's tweet the other day? Oh, I did not. It was something along the lines of, "Man, there was about five brawls during on seven on seven. <laughs> we need to get some pads on quick." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love it. I absolutely love it because I mean they've been doing all this kind of. Uh, for like it's, it's been kind of chicken shit to this point. Yeah. I mean, we need some real fake football. Get let out the uh, you know it's stress relief. You know popping somebody in the head is stress relief. Uh, they need to get some of that. They won't get it right away. They kind of ease players in with helmets uh, before going to shells later on in the week. But I, I I think the the ultimate kind of position like if I was just to rattle them off quickly in any sort of order, deep play threat. At wide receiver emerging, yeah. that's number one. I think number we're not going to know that one though, man. You got to see it. You know, we they can talk all they want. But yeah. we, we have to see that, and we already know what they're going to like. They're just going to mention the the three big guys, but somebody. Mm-hmm. Well, you like to hear about somebody making plays in practice. Yeah, the, I, I like when they'll give you the kind of nugget about like you know, man, I, I like Isaiah. He would have made a, some big catches in the red zone period today, or. Ooh, Tay-Tay, he went and got, got loose one time. So, and those are the like, two guys, too, I think, from that Z receiver spot, just the guys that got the speed to go and go go and go and get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are the two guys that they're – Two JCPS kids, Louisville Public Schools, which uh, – Well, I thought, you, I thought you meant Isaiah Epps, but, yeah. Oh, come I was on, more Isaiah. thinking Epps but, and Tay-Tay Crews. Yeah, people forget Isaiah Epps still in the Kentucky football team. I, I, I can and he's a guy now they're going to have back next year because he's a red he took that redshirt year last year so he's a redshirt junior uh so but like the receivers in general that's it's going to be the main three and we're going to get a rotating cast of somebody made a play uh i'm also wondering if we're going to hear how, how much more of eddie grand who he picks and chooses from that running back room to praise because i'm interested here uh jutama klein yeah. How often do we hear his name? And can he, Travis Tisdale get wiggle his way in there at all? Or hey, is Torrance Davis going to be on campus? Like, <laughs> that that's that's a question I'm looking forward to asking tomorrow. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing a roster tomorrow, which I got an answer like it. We should be getting it tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> but like, you know, football coaches—they are they're the creatures of habit. They're I gotta, not. Gonna, I gotta know that. I have to know the numbers. It drives me crazy that I don't know what numbers these kids are gonna be wearing. We hear a lot of the numbers though. It wasn't yeah, all. I, I need a, I need. I need the piece. I just need an official. I just you gotta just want it. the piece of paper. Yeah, I want the well, heights and weights. I, I, I just need it. I don't know why they have to make us wait until. Why can we can't get this in the beginning of July? But right, right. It's just uh, one of luck. It's pet peeves. The other, the the biggest one that I'm. Who's who's that freshman? Who's that first freshman they're going to mention on the defensive line? 
yeah, I, I, you know who I think it's going to be. I know, but Justin Rogers is – it goes back to the kind of Matt Elam thing where when you get this – Oxidine's been guy, here the longest too, so. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the thing is, like, they don't have to play the – we're not going to kind of kiss this guy's ass because he was a highly touted guy, and fans like to hear you talk about the highly touted guys. It's just, it's just the, the nature of the business. They don't have to play favorites with any of these guys because they're all four- and five-star talents. So, yeah. Uh, who is going to be that first one to get their name pop up? It's not going to be easy to crack into that rotation. But like you said, Oxentown is the only one who actually got a spring of getting acclimated. And even though it was only two weeks of practice, like that's – he still at least knows how to practice. And the other guys yeah. can't say the same thing. And for me, secondary, how that shakes out. Like who's the, who are the starters? Where does Devontae Robinson fit back in? Yeah. Like, you know, obviously, you know, Corker's got a spot locked up. You know, Brandon Eccles has a spot locked up. Um, but after that, I think it's open for a lot of competition. I know everybody's going to be, you know, you know, wanting information on Kelvin Joseph, mm-hmm. you know, wanting to hear more from him. Um, you would think he's going to be a starter, but, you know, he's going to hold off Cedric Dort, who had a really, really good end of the season last year. And then they just got – they've got death back there. You look at Quandre Mosley, um, Tyro Asian – they just got – they've got a lot of options. MJ Devonshire, Moses Douglas. Yeah. Like, and how guys like that break in. MJ Devonshire was a guy we talked about a lot. We thought he was going to break in last year. What, he didn't he break right. his hand? He or, broke his wrist in that right. first, and so first appearance. That was, so, they redshirted That was pretty much, you know, redshirting you. And then uh, another one back to that D-line, how Josh Pascal looks full-time at that spot. Yeah. That can be a big-time difference maker for Kentucky on the, at, right at that position. Mm-hmm. How how he looks, is he coming along? Do they think he's going to be like, you know, like a big-time potential all-SEC performer? Because if he can give them that, and really what I'm looking for there is just disruption plays, tackles for loss, run stuffs, making plays in the run game, getting some negative plays from that spot. It's just going to make the outside linebacker jobs easier. I, I do want to go back to what you mentioned in the secondary uh, because – I think something that I, I knew this was going to happen going into last year, but just Mike Edwards did not was not fully appreciated for how much he was able to do in yeah. that secondary. He just really good at being in the right place at the right time, really aggressive in run support, and you didn't get that consistency from the nickel really at all last year. Uh, you know, Jordan Griffin was. Uh, but they, they, just, they had to get it different ways. What they what they used was Corker just more as kind of a run force player. Just so he had a safety yeah. or running downhill, whereas you know the nickel was just more. They just asked him to do more coverage, um, and less type of blitzing and stuff like that. But yeah, but I think that that gets alleviated though with Devontae Robinson back there. Yeah. It, so it, and and then you you talk about you have him and Corker as kind of run force support players from that safety position safety slash nickel position, I think that's going to make a big difference. I think on both sides you're going to have somebody you can trust that can cover a lot of ground in a hurry to help you in your run fits. And then it just, you know, you got to hope your depth, the D-line pays off, and then inside linebacker, obviously. Well, Jamin Davis hold up in there for a full season at Mike. And to your point, Luckett, it really – like, let's face it. Kentucky's going to struggle at inside linebacker play. And it's not just because uh, that's not a knock on Jamin Davis or DeAndre Square. Both are great players, but they can't play every day. When I talked to John Summerall, his basic thing, yeah, what the overall takeaway at that spot was they can't. I, I played them too much last year. We have to get other guys involved. Jared Casey and Marquez Bembry didn't play that position a year ago. So there's going to be some mental mistakes there. And having safeties to, you know, make up for the, those mistakes will be incredibly important to make sure that those uh, eight yards don't turn into – eight-yard runs don't turn into 20-yard runs uh, or 40-yard or runs where you got to go and chase somebody from behind. And those it, – it, it's kind of like uh, the special teams hidden yards, except the plays are much more memorable than a good roll on a Max Duffy punt. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, shout-out to Max Duffy for a great, great tweet after the schedule. Uh, hey, was how released. about uh... – Felt cute, might delete later. How about kicker? <laughs> Shouldn't we be paying close attention to kicker? I think we I, – yeah, yeah. 
Matt Ruffalo felt pretty consistent for 40 and Felt like he won the job at the end of the year. Right, right. Um, but he also has a few missed extra points that you just can't have. Right. So I, I'm at least hopeful that it's not, uh, I, let me just say this, my (laughs) attitude towards kickers love Austin McGinnis. Great dude. Nice guy. But man, there's a lot of, uh, I have a lot of animosity towards kickers and it goes back to Lona Seaver because nobody gave you more, but also took more away than Lona Seaver. I mean, that blocked kick against Tennessee that about hit the center in the back of the head. <laughs> My God, like they, they just rip your heart out, you know? know? So, so whenever like he did it I, twice against Tennessee too, man. And I kind of have the stoops mentality too. Like what, what's it going to get me if I dog a kicker, you know, nowhere. It's going to get you absolutely nowhere. Just dig that hole deeper. So yeah. I'm just going to make fun of Alabama kickers and hope that our <laughs> kickers are better um, because in just for chance, poor sake, you can't they, let Max can't. Duffy drop kick. Oh, just let him drop kick. That would be great. <laughs> I bet he's pretty good at it. Give him like two weeks. That's how they do it in Austin. I bet he can hit a 35 yarder. I guarantee oh, it. Hell Give yeah. him two weeks. I at least uh, have enough confidence 40 and in with Ruffalo. Hopefully poor gets better. But the thing that Austin said that worries me is like, Teaching accuracy, it's the same thing with quarterbacks. It's like golf. Can you can you really teach accuracy? Like yeah. you, you can get a stronger leg, but getting somebody to get it more now, it's a little bit tougher ass. Yeah. And that feels like that's the problem with poor. So Matt Sackis is still there to help him get it right, uh, even though Dean Hood's gone. But um look at I hope we're not having this kicker conversation when after the Tennessee yeah. game this year. That's kickers, it feels like they're gonna be even more important this year. You figure margin of error is extra thin. Kentucky's going to be in a lot of games where the line is between a you know ten points and ten points on either side. So you're talking about a two possession game, and then you know a few plays either way. You're coming down to a couple plays there in the game, and the one could be a you know a kick. So it, it just feels it'd be good well, to have a you know a rock socket solid kick going into the season. Well, uh, you, you say that a lot in read two possession games, except for Vanderbilt. That that spread for AM opening yeah. week was 37. <laughs> Nick, I'm going to do something. I might put it out tonight. I'm going to do Vandy's projected lines for this for year. SB plus. Yeah. I, I'm, I'd be pretty shocked if any were within 20 points. Yeah. I would 20. say 20. That would be my does one break 20 would be my question. <laughs> oh, They're going to be bad, dude. God, that sucks to suck. Uh, speaking of sucks to suck, uh, spring football isn't going to happen, Adam Luckett, uh, the day after the Big Ten. Uh, you tell or, me. You, you, your family's over there at the, at Thanksgiving. They're going to be uh, uh, putting together uh, spring blueprints, <laughs> practice plans during Thanksgiving hey, dinner. Never have I felt better than when I got the scoop from a college football coach before Bruce Feldman. We had that published <laughs> on the site before the athletic. We got out, we out scooped them. And I almost got Jeff to come on the radio show that morning. But he was like, Oh, I'm on a conference call, can't get away. And I was like, Well, you know, you can just put it on hold and like hold the phone up and we could hear what's yeah. happening on the conference call. <laughs> Blood thicker than water, Jeff. Come on, buddy. <laughs> but his his plan, uh, which uh first my first reaction, I don't care if he's my cousin or not. I'm like, no, you spring football never gonna work. But yeah. After digging through it, I ended up getting to the conclusion that spring football is better than no football. And if that's what we have to resort to, there are ways to make it work because Jeff looked at this like he was – like everything we've discussed here, he looked at it like a kid trying to draw up like a tournament plan. Like, okay, how do we actually make this work? And he got down to the basics, an eight-game spring schedule uh, starting February 27th and ending uh, in mid-May – uh, followed up by a 10-game fall schedule that doesn't begin until October. And when you're talking about player safety and all of this, that has to play a significant role, uh, and that's not forcing them to play 20 games in, in, in 10 or 12 calendar months. So I think that's all fine and dandy, Nick, but then when you get down to impact in next season, like I just think there's – I don't think TVs are gonna, TV networks are going to be too happy about that. I don't think uh, schools want to do that. I, I don't know. I just well, I, I just don't know. And at least 
the counters to some of that. Well, and when it comes to recruiting, you get much more valuable official visits this spring than you would have ever got before. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. If, and yeah. If, which, if things change. Right. Yes. Now, it would be more difficult to recruit in season, but if you had this spring schedule, like having that could work to your benefit in the long run, getting to host these kids uh, whenever you're having a legit college football game instead of just a spring game kind of atmosphere or spring practice atmosphere. Uh, you also, uh, he mentioned, like, imagine playing college football on Saturdays, college basketball on Sundays. Uh, Big Ten already does all their basketball games on Sundays anyway. I'm like, oh, this sounds like a lot of fun. Just give them, you know, I might have to work around the NCAA tournament, but that could be fun. And But the reason – I think why it ultimately won't happen. I, I always give Jeff credit for sticking his name on it. This isn't some anonymously sourced crap. He signed every page of this proposal and sent it out to the public to consume. But the reason why it won't, won't work is to uh, keep the players healthy. Uh, they would give them the spring of 2022 completely off. And you mean to tell college coaches – aren't going to accept not having the opportunity yeah, to host just, kids unofficially on campus in the spring. Yeah. They're just not. Eventually you have to just swallow your medicine. I think if you just keep chasing it down, I just don't know. You're eventually moving the season. And I don't really think, I think college football's got it made pretty good um, with where they're at. I wish they'd add another bye week, but that Labor Day, that Labor Day start, to uh, Thanksgiving finish pretty much with a conference championship the next week. It's, I think it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, like a pretty good system they got. Now, for, they, they own those Saturdays for two months. Are, they absolutely own them. And now they own them. They as in power five football and big time right. football. Right. Now the SWAC, the SWAC already announced that they're going to go to a yeah. spring schedule. They're going like to. If the Mac, if the Mac wanted to do this, like, I'd be all in. <laughs> Spring action. Yeah. I can get Friday nights. Like, they could play on Friday nights. Like, it, yeah, I'm, I'd be all in for back, back, back February and March watching football on Friday night. The way the SWAC's going to do it, it's only going to be six games. It's going to have a similar time frame. Um, but, you know, that's, that's less kind of uh, – toll on the body so yeah and it, it, it can work like that and they could still have their traditional games i believe that's the, the, the southern the, grambling you know they could the still somehow make that happen the wrench in all of this though is like the big tens just assuming and your cousin in his you know his little print is just that the sec and big 12 and acc are gonna be doing the same where we sit at right now that's not we just that's got a schedule. Yeah. That's, <laughs> We're that's talking not, about playing games this fall. That's not what's happening. You know, ACC's – they're playing real football. They've got full pads on right yeah. now. Yeah. I uh, – and I, I, I don't, I don't want to linger on COVID stuff because it's sad and all, but I spent the weekend up in Ohio, my wife's hometown. Yeah. And, you know, talking to some of her relatives, they were like, well, yeah, Ohio State can't play football, but my nephew's going to go out there and start practicing next I week. Know. Like – the inconsistency there, and then you've got the statement from the Penn State AD about how, well, there wasn't technically a vote. Like, Kevin Warren, man, he, he really stepped in at the start. We, uh, <laughs> we've got a long way to go, obviously. But if you always want something to done, want something done, put a middle, middle-aged woman on it, and stuff will happen. And so now you got all these moms – demanding answers stuff's gonna start happening they're gonna get answers like they're <laughs> they're, they're not taking <laughs> no from me working in a customer service background for most of my career like oh, man. the guys the bosses managers guys like i can deal with but when you get a mom you know a middle-aged mom on the line and you you give them an answer they don't want those are always the tough the toughest cookies <laughs> to crack. man so hey. if you want something done they're, they're gonna get it done so that's why I never return my own clothes. I leave that up to my wife or my mother. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, I yeah. <laughs> you know, if I ever have any customer service issue, I, mom, will you make a call for me? And next I'll thing you know, I've got, I've got a coupons as well as my money back. <laughs> oh man, that's a great point. Uh, elsewhere around college football, Adam Muckett, uh, and I, I didn't want to bounce uh, too far ahead with, with the, the spring football stuff, but but to go back to the Big Ten. Uh, is Justin Fields, is there any chance he saves it? I know you mentioned the moms, but is Justin Fields a big enough name to add to uh, 
it feels to, like to it's get all, people it's, to change their mind. It's all too late for that. I think this movement is just really it's getting Warren close to the hot seat. And then if even I think if even the SEC, ACC they play, even if they only get three or four games in, he's probably toast. Um, just the way uh, they handle it, the transparency. He, he doesn't have a press conference. The whole thing he leaked through the media. Yeah, yeah. It just, uh, it just, and I know we don't put a lot of stock into what Dan Wilkins says here on this program. No. But he had a tweet saying he was hearing that the ACC was planning on getting a com- or looking at a commissioner with kind of a pro sports background. And now they've kind of re- reversed that. <laughs> thank you. covered. Be how bad Warren's kind of dealt with all this. Ooh. Well, there's Kevin Warren. For and you. not say it was the wrong decision. It's just how he how he's just gone about it from a PR standpoint. It's just been an absolute nightmare. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely has. And to to go back to it, the entire lack of transparency when it comes to well, what exactly were they telling you? What are all these health and safety concerns? And that. I mean, he just kept repeating that line that he was fed by the PR team over and over in that conversation right. on BTN. And he didn't – I mean, hell, you're on Zoom now. You can kind of just move on to the next one if you get a tough question. You're not even in a room with reporters. You know you what I mean? To, you need to take questions yeah. if you're making a decision. Like, you can't just say, you know, this is what we're doing. Deuces. Like, <laughs> you can't – and then he tried to – he tried to – like, tried, the Big Ten tried to pressure, public pressure. And now we're seeing the NCAA do it a little bit. with those doctors going on this media tour where he went on CNN, went on Dan Patrick today. Mm-hmm. Like, like here's a Which news flash very, to everybody. Very NCAA move, too, to yeah. just like, you here's know a, what, let's send our doctor. They don't, well, they don't say nothing for weeks. And then SEC and ACC Big 12 decide we're going to do this. And then they want to flap their gums. <laughs> but the, the thing with it is, like <laughs> – College football, it's ram, it's run by the conferences. It's run by the commissioners. Now, whether that's right or wrong, it is what it is. But NCAA has no – they don't have jurisdiction over them. Like, they can't tell them what to do. And they're, they're trying to pressure them. It's like, well, a little too late for that, just like it is uh, yeah. as well for the Big It's teams. like they're NCAA is a homeowners association, but the SEC, Big 12, Pac-12, they just didn't sign a contract. So this homeowners association can come over here and make all this ruckus but there's nothing you can do. Like, we're, if I want to build a gazebo in my backyard, I'm going to build a damn gazebo. Yeah, like oh, you, your, you your have, hedges are in the way. Well, go yeah. tackle me, You may, you may be in charge of getting out of this. every other house in this little um, cul-de-sac we're in. But these three big kahunas over here, like, you don't, you're, you, you don't touch us. We do what we want. And we, work, we work together if we want, but we'll get mad at each other too. But you can't – you're not telling us what to do. We're going to tell you us what to do. Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, that – I like too that it, it works on the other hand, uh, where conversely, if you're not in a conference, you can kind of get hosed. And uh, I think we're seeing that with one program, and it couldn't have happened to to a better group of folks over at the Liberty University. Hugh Freeze is uh, from now. I don't have a complete understanding of exactly how uh, this has gone about. But from what I can gather, like it, it appears that they're kind of being blackballed from playing football because they don't take care of their stuff a, on a, campus. Yeah, like I don't think they're like they're not testing everybody. They're only testing you if you show symptoms or something like that. And so everybody's like, "Well, we're not going to play against guys who aren't." Well, they're supposed to play like five ACC teams, four or five ACC teams, I think. Good luck with that. <laughs> Good luck figuring that out. That, yeah, but they're standing uh, – they're holding their ground, which is what Liberty does. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, of course. Not a, not a surprise that that's, that's the university taking that stance. Yeah. Clowns. Uh, as far as uh, actual universities who are having some – like some legitimate universities, uh, Syracuse and Florida State, there was kind of a, a big stink over the weekend from players. Where, it seemed like they both corrected it, though. It's just kind of wild, like it, that now you go public to get things done. You just don't meet with the coach. Right. Uh, because yeah. uh, – and at first, hearing the reports from Florida State, you're like, well, I mean, what the hell is Mike Norvell Florida doing State's big – well, it's more that it's – Norvell's obviously, I think, going through some growing pains a little bit. But their whole administration structure, which we talked about on here back when Mark Stoops was 
possibly going there was that how big of a mess. And I think that's what you've seen. It's the communication has kind of got lost in a little structure because the booster group is part of the decision makers over there. Um, they have a Florida State booster club, and then they don't – their AD's interim, um, and they just – I mean, it's just – it's kind of a mess over there, and I think that's what kind of happened. Um, it seemed like it was just one player who kind of spoke out. He, Marvin Wilson, who is the team there, he came yeah. out and said he supported Norvell. So, I think it just uh, – it maybe just one um, upset player – but uh, but I, I think it's Florida State. They just they're just a, it's just a mess over there. Yeah, uh, and in Syracuse, kind of, I, I believe they stopped for a day, maybe, uh, and yeah. they got another round of testing, uh, and it kind of. I don't know what it was it. about because we we didn't really because that was more the players going to the school. Like it wasn't the people speaking out on social media. It was like yeah. we're not practicing unless they weren't like following a grievance publicly right. against the school. They at least went to school to make change happen, which I'm sure Dino Babers. <laughs> much more happier that they went about it that way instead of just with a notes app uh, kind of message right. out there. The notes app, yeah. it's almost never they, good. They when did you practice the notes one apps. day and that, they were back the next day. And we haven't really heard anything um, from them. So I think that obviously seems good, I guess. But yeah. we'll see how all this goes. And, and like it lastly, uh, I skipped over this earlier, but uh, on the recruiting front, Kentucky – the Wildcats picked up the commitment today. Maxwell Hairston, we've kind of seen this coming for a while, picked the U.K. over Minnesota, Purdue, Virginia Tech. I think Wazoo was an offer in there as well. Uh, another talented player from Michigan who uh, really blew up after he ran a 4-5 at an at a Under Armour camp, you know, laser time. That got a, mm-hmm. a, a lot of other big schools, including Kentucky, to ultimately offer the scholarship. And – Look at now, Steve Klinkscale, he's recruited seven guys over the last four classes from Michigan. They're still in there after Rayshon Benny. Um, and, and overall, what, what did you make of the addition of Hairston? I think it's interesting the type – the profile at corner seems to have changed a little bit where it's not these big, long-limb guys. Um, it's more they're going after more speed. Um, him and Adrian Huey both are a little bit on the smaller size. They need to add weight, um, but but they've got speed, on, they, all kinds of speed. And well, so and- I look at that. And then Hairston, Hairston has um, – it looks like some length on him uh, as opposed to Huey, a little bit more. Hairston looks bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hairston just got some length on there, and I just think you're seeing the, the profile change at corner. And obviously they're both guys that um, – really got offers, I think, late in the game because of these times they've put up at some of these camps, um, just these 40s. I think Huey had like 4-4 four, four or something mm-hmm. um, at his camp he went to. So, to me, it's the the profile changing, changing that corner, and that's something interesting um, to follow. Yeah, and uh, to add to that, I, I, Carrington Valentine, he was a guy. That who, too, yeah. He's another one that kind of fits in the same little mold as these two. He, he was the early, like, uh, don't be surprised if this guy's – you start hearing good things coming from him out of practices. Uh, another one of those track star guys who's on campus right now, still don't anticipate him getting legitimate clock. It'd be kind of special teams kind of duty this year and, and a reserve role. But right. he, he fits that bill. Um, so, you're, you're seeing kind of – you know, sans Kelvin Joseph, but, you know, he's a he, – boss man fat's a different kind of breed, and that's why we call right. him boss man fat. Um, but we'll see. I mean – you look at just the recruiting areas, like they're not getting, you know, they're not competing, I guess you would say, for, you know, top 200, top 300 corners like, right now for whatever reason. It's kind so of surprising, but uh, yeah, you know, considering but how successful they've been. But, but I, I do think they've been very successful with junior college guys. Mm-hmm. So maybe they feel like they can take uh, some, not necessarily flyers, but they can take some guys that are going to take some time to develop. Because they have been able to find target Juco guys, get them here, even though they lost two this week mm-hmm. with Kyrie Jackson going to Alabama. And I believe uh, Kamal hadn't committed to Auburn today. Yeah, I didn't see if it was official yet or not, but the, those two guys appear to be yeah. off the board. But, but yeah, they, they've had success finding um, Juco help at corner. So, maybe um, it seems like they're trying something out here with yeah. – um, the, and none of these guys are short either. I mean, they're all they're all at five eleven, six foot. I, I think Huey's short. I think he's probably five nine. But um, Valentine and 
Harrison are both six foot tall. And they both that both of them have some length on them. So you're getting that you're getting you're recruiting traits right now, I think. They're they're getting speed and length. And then let's see if we can coach them up and then we might have something a couple years down the road. And there you have it, folks. Well, football recruiting talk to one of today. Monkill Goodwine, he picked Alabama over the weekend. That was no surprise. Mm-hmm. Kentucky didn't get the four star pass rusher, but Man, what could be for Kentucky recruiting if Alabama wasn't there? Oh man, Foley Foley just for Alabama. I mean, you could go down. There's a long list, I think, of guys that you thought Kentucky might have or would have gotten if, you know, Alabama was not a thing. Alabama. Hey, well, you know what you can do? You can beat them this year and then start stealing their recruits. That'd be pretty cool. It would be pretty cool. It was pretty cool talking about a football schedule today, Adam Luckett. I know. I feel it's starting to get a little real. Let's hope we can get through these weeks, buckle up, and get after it. it, it, it Does Kentucky have any opt-outs tomorrow? I don't think so. I don't think so. Because I think that's the real – that's the biggest scoop we're probably going to get tomorrow is whether they have an opt-out or not. Yeah, if we get opt-outs – any injury news, too. You always have to consider that. Yeah, yeah. If we had any opt-outs, I would expect them kind of down the depth chart in the trenches somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. just because, uh, you know, it, that's where it makes the most sense. Um, not going to play anyway, right? Why risk it? That kind of deal. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I, it's been nice kind of seeing you. I hope folks have stuck around and watched us the whole time. We appreciate y'all doing this. Did a little something special this week. But if you haven't subscribed to 11 Personnel Podcast, look us up on iTunes. Hit that subscribe button. The links are all over the website. You get the podcast delivered every week. Uh, just a couple of dudes talking ball. Uh, college football from across the entire country uh, news and updates a little bit of that a little bit of goofiness a lot of egg bowl we didn't get as much egg bowl as normal today but we made sure we got a, a we're gonna a have good, healthy we'll dose have of plenty bowl. of it coming up oh there's no denying it and we're gonna have more football to talk about training camp is underway ksr is going to be with you it throughout the entire time uh so thanks for listening and watching uh, ksr's sec football schedule so Uh, For Adam Luckett, I'm Nick Roush. We'll see you next week on 11 Personnel. Go Cats and go Kroger.